On behalf of Snowflake and Kerasoft, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast, focused around conquering data warehouse challenges in higher education, where you will hear from data experts at Snowflake, Auburn University, and Apex IT share a compelling story on how they came together to create an innovative approach to accomplish Auburn's strategic vision around data. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. During the next hour, we're going to have a fantastic conversation about vision, innovation, technology, and the higher ed space. Joining me today from Auburn University, the data modeler, all around great guy, Mr. Tyler Crawford. Tyler, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm uh, really, uh, I enjoy talking about this stuff. As you know, that's talking is not uh, one of the problems I have. Usually it's just talking too much. So, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> to be here and, uh, Glad um, this is, you know, I think it's something that is, um, you know, the idea of just wrangling data uh, and, you know, data warehousing, all this stuff. It's just, it's very relevant in all industries and particularly in higher ed right now. So very excited about this call. Absolutely. And you'll have plenty of chances to talk over the next hour. I promise you that. Uh, also joining me from Apex IT, Mr. Brian White. Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks, Nick. Um... I am, I am the uh, engagement director and uh, senior consultant on the Auburn project, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you mentioned vision. When I came in, they had a vision. They already had the vision. I didn't have to give it to them, and that's not my job anyway. And so uh, I've just been excited to be a part of it. Outstanding. And we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about your contributions and the great stuff that you guys did here during the project. And finally, last but not least, Joining me from my home company of Snowflake, Mr. Dan Sandler. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Uh, thank you, everyone, um, for joining. Uh, looking forward to taking part in this conversation. Uh, uh, Principal Solutions Architect with Snowflake, I had the privilege and honor of working with Auburn University as uh, they sort of set out on their Snowflake journey. Outstanding. So we mentioned some vision. Let's come back and talk a little bit about vision and the opening parts of what eventually became One Auburn. Tyler, I'm going to turn to you to start us off here because it seems like, you know, a lot of vision is in response to a problem. Something is broken. I want to fix it. I'm going to do that in a big, bodacious, great, grand way, right? Is that how things started at Auburn? Yeah, um, I would say so. I, I am going to miss... Um, Chuck and him thinking and praying for him and his family today uh, because I mean he really what I'm going to do now is is really just uh, I've been here at Auburn for about two years and a lot of where this came was from the top was from exec executive sponsorship and that in terms of a vision if um, if we didn't have that then this it just it wouldn't have worked I mean you talked about the problems and I'm sure the people on this call understand that there are going to be problems there's resistance um, but there was a vision, you know, by the time I was hired, uh, me coming on board was actually a part of that vision that data is a, is a big deal. And, um, you know, trying to, uh, to govern data, um, just trying to find a way to um, massage it, to prepare it, to get it ready for consumption. Um, that's, that's a big deal. Um, again, in all, in all industries, um, you know, but in higher ed, particularly, and, and just like public sector, um, what I learned, you know, when I came, I came, you know, from a different industry and, and came into higher ed, and I learned that, you know, things move a little slower. And um, uh, that's one of the benefits at times. It's, it's a really nice pace, and uh, I love it. 
but but it's something where um, there's a lot of other people that are you know other industries that are further along. But uh, our CIO had um, a, that vision you're talking about, and really just kind of what what became apparent was the vision really was about just enterprise centralization, right? And and we realized it was even bigger than just, we talked a lot about data governance early on. We realized it's even bigger than that because we, were, we started realizing that enterprise project management, uh, when you talk about enterprise security modeling, um, systems architecture, it's just the more that we got into it, the more that we realized, um, you know, that it was really just about kind of bringing uh, silos kind of together. And in terms of the project that, that we're gonna discuss today, the data warehouse was a huge part of that centralization project. And that's really what became kind of this one Auburn brand, which was centralization, was bringing us all together uh, to have one purpose and goal. That's very interesting. And so you went on this project and you said that, you know, our main problem right now is our data is kind of all over the place. And, you know, the leadership team brings you in. What sort of was the first thing you decided to tackle? Did you say, I need a data warehouse? Or did you say, I need a connector? Or I got to hire some developers? Where do you start something so big? Really, one of the first things that I did was, you know, before ever really got into technical weeds, that my first year was mostly getting around campus and talking to business, the business community, you know, the actual end users, to try to understand their problems, um, and it was, it was from that, that you kind of, you start to see, you know, how that vision, like why that vision, you know, you see what the problems are. Um, and that really is where the articulation of, we need a data warehouse came from. And we'll talk more about kind of, um, about the, the data warehouse and the project, and, but, but that's really where it came from was we were understanding that these problems, and I think probably anybody that's on this call, call no matter what industry you're in, have been a part of an organization where you can ask the same question and you know there's three or four different groups that are rushing to answer it. And then it's embarrassing when there's four different answers to some executive, right? And then they're like, why does this happen? It's a simple question. How many students do we have, right? And that's, that's one of those things. And that's what it, it was. It was great for me to understand that. Um, and a lot of, of me, uh, and, and my own process in this was learning what I don't know, you know, that, that I didn't know what I didn't know. And along the way, you're growing into it and understanding, uh, wow, there's a lot that I have to learn. Um, and so I guess all that kind of together really was we, we knew we needed a data warehouse uh, and just started kind of going down that path and exploring that for this idea of centralization and, and trying to simplify the, the distribution of our data. Outstanding. And so I want to kind of pivot over to, uh, to a second for, with, with Brian, because, you know, Apex IT got brought in, obviously, on this project to, to help uh, facilitate a lot of the construction of this. Brian, kind of talk us through how you got brought into this project and sort of your first impressions of it. And, and more to the point, for the folks at home, what scared you about a project like this, right? Um, so... Here's the thing. I, I wanted to give you my first impression of, of Auburn and, and the whole project. And that is this. Uh, I walked in, first couple of meetings, Zane Everett, the, the, the project manager, brought banana bread, fresh homemade banana bread and <laughs> homemade pecan pie. And I thought, well, you know, this, this might work out. So, so that's first impression. It was a great impression. And from there, only greatness ensued. Um, so, you know, 
Auburn brought me in, uh, brought Apex IT in uh, to do a couple of things. One, uh, business process modeling. And then two, what, what my part was, was uh, data governance, data quality, and master data management workshops. And so that's, that was kind of my, my initial in with Auburn was to just go through in a series of workshops and say, hey, well, let's, let's take a look at your data quality. Let's profile your data, see what's there. Let's, you know, what kind of governance do you have in place? What do you need in place? Finding out a lot of those things. So that was my role. And then somewhere in there, someone said, oh, and we're already in negotiations with Snowflake for this data warehouse. I usually have system agnostic approach when I come in because you know everybody's got their own their own tools. So I quickly said, "Well, what is a Snowflake?" And then I started digging into it and I, and I learned something about it. Um, so usually when I come into a project like this, I have multiple concerns, and and it's not just about the banana nut bread and the pecan pie. Uh, big concern. Uh, so. First is the state of the data. I don't care how cool your technology is. If your data is in a mess, uh, you know, it, it's a problem. You just take dirty data, put it in a brand new system. Guess what? You know, you have what you had before. And so, you know, is the data dirty? How did it get that way? Uh, so um, I'm usually very concerned about that. And so with Auburn, what we found out was, yeah, there are some problems, but it was a, it, it wasn't Armageddon. It wasn't overwhelming. Um, then the next thing I look for is, um, is executive buy-in and leadership. And so Tyler has already mentioned this. Uh, it, it must be a top-down thing. It, you, and it, it doesn't have to be a top-down thing, but it has to be lead the people, uh, cast the vision and offer the support to get there. A lot of times this is, you know, you try to do this as grassroots and it just doesn't get legs and, and, and stay viable. So Auburn had that in place. The, the third thing was anytime there's an ERP or an SIS centric uh, uh, enterprise, what people say, and it is it's kind of a weird thing, they say, everything's on fire, we're all gonna die, the data is terrible in the SIS system. And oh, by the way, the only way that this new thing will work is if the data is exactly like the SIS system. It happens just, every time. Just for Brian, for the folks at home who don't know what an SIS is, can you just real quick define what that means? It is the all-encompassing hungry beast that is the enterprise system that it where everything everything goes through it. So it's 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 your transactional system. It also includes all of your master data. You can have the financial information in the course register uh, course registration information. It, it it has everything. And so when you have a an institution and it with a big enterprise system like that, it everybody feeds the beast daily in their jobs and but you know they say that they're problems and usually that's when I get called in when things are really messed up. And I think the last thing I look for, you know, other challenge and thing I, I'm afraid of is I'm always afraid when I walk into a project, where are the feudal lords running their fiefdoms? The little silos behind stone walls, they say, everything I do is great. You stay out of here and, and that sort of thing. So I, I look for those. Well, because of the groundwork and because of the enterprise leadership that Auburn already did and had in place, I didn't run into a lot of that. There's still, you know, there's turf wars, but it's it's not like um, someone said, no, 
I shall go my own way. Thank you very much. So the concerns were there, but but Auburn had had already put some things in place. So I was very happy about that. And it wasn't just, you know, we've, and we've actually had some talk in the chat about this. And please, folks on the uh, attendees, keep the chat coming. It's been a great dialogue so far. We had questions like, is it just ERP and SIS? And we're going to get into this in a little bit. There's a lot of components at Auburn that started to come together very quickly. So stay tuned. We have more coming on that. And along those lines, coming off of what we said with Brian, Dan, I want to come over to you for a second and talk about, you know, I'm, I'm a snowflake, you're a snowflake. Um, we, we come from a company where we, uh, we try to envision the future of data and how it's arranged and how it's shared and how it's warehoused. Uh, the data cloud has been a huge mission for us and, and a huge talking point. When you come into an, an organization like Auburn and you build what you've built here, can you talk about what it's like to come into a situation like this and start building something from the ground up that looks like everything we always tell people to go build? Yes, uh, great question, uh, Nick. Uh, well, one thing, uh, I should take some time to thank uh, Auburn for being a great customer. All of our customers are great, Auburn in particular. Uh, special thanks to Apex for being a great partner, everyone in attendance, and most importantly, condolences to Chuck and his family. Um, I've been working in and around data for 25 years. Uh, I've learned one thing, there are always unknowns when you start a project of this nature. I think Tyler and uh, Brian did a very good job at highlighting those, but you always know there's some anxiety and your radar always has to be up and running. Um, and it, there, was, there, were some, um, there were some wrinkles uh, when we started off this initiative. I think one thing, it was eye-opening to, but it was also helped remind me of the importance of, let's say an SIS or an ERP, but in particular, the role that Banner plays. Um, Banner for uh, what I've learned along the ways, Banner, it makes the wheels go round and round. And if the solution doesn't work for the data coming into Banner, and if the data doesn't make sense as it comes from Banner, and if we impact Banner, and it, 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 it's not, so we have to be very conscious as to building on ramps from, from Banner into Snowflake, but not have it be a one-off, right? It can't be a spoke to spoke. We, we, it was very clear the vision is we are building a hub. We want to make sure it works for Banner in the short term, but also down the road, there's going to be other on-ramps we need to build. So it was one of those things where we had to make sure we had, there was a clear architectural vision. So that was clearly entrenched and it was just a matter of executing, realizing that vision. Um, I think that was very important. We learned things along the way of, you know, like RabbitMQ. RabbitMQ is one of those things that we had to shovel the banner messages into Snowflake and that sort of somehow it all came together. Um, but it had to be a matter of getting that data because like those horses have never left that barn, right? You have to get the horses to leave the barn, but in a way that they don't go, you know, too far, that you can govern that. I think that was a key thing that was very clear, right? It had to be secure, it had to be governed, there had to be control. We are dealing with sensitive data and it is our mission to not just break down those silos, but to do it in a secure and governed fashion. And I, there was a concerted effort and it was something that I appreciated early on 
the team really engaged, whether it was the Office of the Registrars, the Provost, making sure that data was classified, that it was secure. It, it all while we were doing the engineering and the design to get this off the ground. So it was a very impressive thing that I certainly took back and, and took note of. Outstanding. So I want to talk about the technology, but there's one more thing I want to hit on first, and it's it's the quality of the team and the people that build these kinds of solutions. It's having the right people in place, having the right people uh, on the team to do their individual tasks. So Tyler, if I could come to you for just a second, talk about, you know, we Brian came on, Dan came on. Uh, I know there's a, a much larger team at Auburn who's working on this project. Is the team important, more important than the goal? Is the goal more important than the team? Give us some feedback on how that played out at Auburn. Yeah, and I can see some, like you said, some activity in the chat. Um, people getting excited about the, the technical weeds. And, and, and like you said, we're going to get there. Interestingly, I think that's all of the what we're talking about in terms of this project, which is very highly technical. You know, and that and that was, you know, I mean, me and Dan just sitting in conference rooms sometimes or on a Zoom call, you know, just getting into code. But um, but you have to start with the stuff we're talking about. You have to start with governance. You have to start with executive spark sponsorship and you have to make sure that you have not just the right number of people in 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 the room, although, you know, resource you, you have to make sure you have enough man hours, um, but you need to make sure you have the right people. And something that, you know, a lot of times people, you know, because early on, I was one of the, I was working just me and you in a conference room when we did our POC, Nick, uh, you know, it was just us. And so that it, a lot of people looked and associated early on, it was like, oh, this is kind of just a, a Tyler thing, you know, like that he's working on. But, you know, I always tell people that the success of this, it happened when we got the right people, you know, it wasn't a lot of people but it was the right people and uh, remarkably that came together so that we did have the right kind of um, architects like for systems architecture, we brought in somebody that, that was able to help us uh, figure out, you know, which combination of existing tools that we could use to try to do what we, we were planning. And then another thing is, you know, uh, we're gonna talk about, you know, the different, what we've learned now in terms of kind of initial goal data warehouse, what about data lake, a lot of people that kind of pit those things against each other, um, but they don't have to be pit against each other. You know, what we're finding out now is, and again, this all was learned by having the right people, the right team. We learn things along the way by having a scoped out, very small, like, let's just do this right. Let's get our uh, SIS, let's get a Lucian. Uh, you heard him mention Banner. That's an Lucian product. It's our student information system. So we just wanted to know, can we do that? We all, like everybody around campus, already is on board with banner data. They want to, they actually want banner data. So can we deliver that? And so that integration is the beginning of not only like transforming and conforming for consumption, the data warehouse of student data. It's also the beginning of data lake, a data lake project because it's the first of many sources that we're going out, we're going to go out and try to get. Um, so that was, a, that was a lot, but part of that was like some of the, in response to some of the chat that I've seen already. But also I just think in terms of the team and everything, that dynamic, having the right people internally, but also the right partners, because we have two on here on this call that honestly, I, I just, I look back and it was just like things along the way that you realize when you look back, you're like, that was crucial. It was, it, we couldn't have 
done this if we didn't have Brian's experience and his leadership, you know, and, and their partnership, um, especially when we're having some tough conversations uh, about data governance. It's always nice to have somebody that has literally no dog in the fight that just kind of can come <laughs> in there and just kind of throw it out there. Hey, we got to talk about this. I know you don't want to, but let's do it. And so bring a consultant to the table and he'll, he'll throw it out there. And then Dan, I mean, I, I, he really, really was a catalyst uh, to our time to value because we, we just, it was a new system. So Snowflake was completely new. So it was the best on the job training we could have. So having the right people, uh, not necessarily a bunch of people, just the right people. So I, in the summary of our first section here for everybody who's been listening in, uh, we now know that the right vision doesn't happen all at once. We know that it comes iteratively. It's something that happens over time, as long as you have the right people solving a well-defined problem. A couple of things from the chat. Does Snowflake work with PeopleSoft? Uh, Dan, do you have a direct integration? I know ODBC connections to PeopleSoft are possible, but I don't know of a direct connector unless you do. Yeah, uh, we'll have to double check. I know that we have partners that specialize with near real-time replication from sources like SAP into Snowflake. So have to double check if PeopleSoft also falls into that lane. Awesome, thank you very much. Let's get to the technology. Let's talk about the tech. Brian, I want to come to you with this because as sort of the PM on the project, knowing the landscape of the tools and technology that would have been leveraged for this project, you can kind of give us the lay of the land. What sources, tools, stuff was out there that you had to navigate as the project kicked off and gained steam? So again, you know, I come in with a system agnostic approach. And one of the very first things we do is we say, let's take an inventory of sources. And now let's take an inventory of targets and let's take an inventory of attributes. Let me just say this, Auburn has a lot of all of that. And uh, so then we go to sort of a reference architecture. Let me go back to that. So Banner, I, I did a chart with banner at the top and a list of all the sources and targets. It was a very big chart with really small writing. So uh, dozens of sources and targets. Um, so I usually come in with a reference architecture and the reference architecture is essentially this. You have a thing, it's a source. You have a thing between the source and the eventual thing, which is the target. In this case, because this thing is a hub, the data warehouse is a hub. You have another thing, which is the thing between it and the final target, which was Salesforce in this case. And guess what? Salesforce had a deadline. We, the, the Snowflake data warehouse project had to be completed before the Snowflake, I mean, before the Salesforce project could start. And that project that didn't even start already had a deadline. So we were, we were under the gun uh, from the very beginning. But, but anyway, uh, source, thing, uh, hub, thing, target. So in, in Auburn's case, what we did uh, was we said, okay, well, what is this thing between Banner, which is the original source, and, and Snowflake? We knew it was gonna be Snowflake, we knew it was Banner, what's all this? Well, all of this in, in the past had been um, queries from Banner extracting data to flat files, which are then passed on to, to targets. And we said, well, we don't want to do that. We want to modernize the architecture. We're using modern tools. Let's, let's modern, modernize the architecture. And so we said, what do we have? Well, Banner has this thing called BEP. BEP 
is something where you can set triggers. Ah, we need triggers, which will say what data from what tables need to go out. So there was a configuration of that thing. Then we said, well, what is what does this metal piece look like? And we looked at, well, do we need to buy metalware? Uh, do we use a Lucian's product, product? What do we have in-house? Well, what we had in-house was RabbitMQ. RabbitMQ uh, could take these uh, the data that was triggered by BEP and ingest it into a queue. Okay, we got it that far. What else do we have in house? Well, we have Azure. So we said, now we, we built Banner through BEP to RabbitMQ to Azure, which then connected to Snowpipe, which connected to Snowflake. So we made it, we named that tune in like five notes. And, and that's, a, that's a little more complex than I like it. I kept saying, let's do something, let's make this sublime. Let's make this elegant. And uh, uh, I, it, it is certainly much more elegant than it has been. And the thing is, it's, uh, it's scalable and, and it's fast. And I was very happy to see that. So once it gets into Snowflake, so let me shift my hand drawing over. <laughs> so now we're in Snowflake. We have to stage the data, then conform the data, and then present the data. Well, when we stage the data, we also had this thing called the historical data store. So we had that going on. So the data was going through different stages all the way to the presentation layer. The reason why we want the presentation layer is so we can present it to users of Click so they can write their analytics and reporting. But also, we wanted to send data on down to Salesforce, which is the CRM. Um, so what we did there was we created um, easily, we said, okay, we don't wanna write a, a lot of uh, transformations uh, in middleware to do this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna write queries that will present the presentation data layer in easily digestible Salesforce form. So all the transformations happen in, in Snowflake. Uh, they wrote the queries, built the tables, we use Informatica, IICS, to send the data on to Salesforce. So that's the tech stack for this whole thing. One of the things that it, it gives us is, again, scalability and sustainability. And we'll be able to go back to this other side of the drawing and add other sources. They go to Snowflake and then go to different targets. That's the tech stack in a nutshell. And Dan, I'll come to you for just a second. So given that tech stack, it sounds like, um, you know, there's multiple databases inside of that single instance of Snowflake that are acting as sort of the staging area and then maybe the conformed layer. And then there's um, some kind of view or, or variety of views that are being used out to click. Is that accurate? And can you give us a sense of how you decided where those pipelines were built and how those databases stacked out? Uh, that is accurate. Uh, the uh, the layers of the uh, architecture, uh, we were definitely layered. We, we understood that we had data on ingest. We wanted to ingest the data by the book, meaning as is from the source, no transformation, just take it in. Okay, so we had that intake valve, um, as Brian mentioned, it was uh, shoveled from uh, banner, banner triggers, and we use RabbitMQ shovel, get it into blob storage. And from there, um, we, at that time, and Snowflake side, um, if you see me looking up to this monitor, it's because I'm looking at, uh, I think it's slide number uh, 16 in my useful diagrams. Auburn has a home <laughs> there. So there is a picture 
And this is all spelled out, right? So we shovel that data and it gets into Snowflake using Snowpipe auto-ingest at that time, storage integrations were new. So we just had to make sure that it was configured properly. It took some time. Um, and we take that data as if one thing, all these things might be new to a company, right? Azure, Snowflake, all these things are relatively new. So how do you establish com common ground or familiar familiarity so it, we're not just disrupting everything. People talk about disruptive as it's a good thing. It's actually very bad. You want to have it seamless and forward-looking while making sure folks can support this and get it off the ground. So it's very SQL-centric, right? It, we basically focus on how do we transform the data in from the point that it comes in to something that is usable, right? So the Avro data that banner messages looks like we need to transform that into something that can be consumed by either a reporting layer, BI tool, or an end user just running ad hoc queries. So the, the, the SQL centricity of the uh, consuming the data as it comes in via stream into the historical banner store, which was the ODS layer into the consumption layer, which is um, the dimensional model that to Tyler's credit, we had day one. Um, it was all in place and we just had to feed it. And then that data had to be staged up and made available downstream into uh, salesforce.com. All of these moving pieces, it was very sequel centric. There were some nuances. We had to sort of get everyone warmed up. Well, what does semi-structured functions look like in SQL? How do we take that, that message and make it into you know, schema, on read versus schema on write. So we had to sort of impose a schema coming out of um, the banner messages. But I will say we kind of sometimes just have to be lucky. And those banner matches, messages were very conducive to ingest, very, very conducive to downstream consumption. So um, it all kind of worked out, even though there were a lot of moving parts. And I assume that data was hierarchical, right? So like a JSON or Avro or what, what was coming out of banner? It was definitely an object hierarchy, but in in that uh, enigma wrapped in a riddle, there was name value pairs that really made it easy to just, just we basically pivoted that data. That's exactly what we did. And um, it, it actually sets the stage for any time those, any new columns come in, we can, we can sort of leave those off to the side and then at our leisure, bring it in. And that's sort of, plays to, well, is it a data warehouse or an OSDS or is it a data lake or why does it matter? We're bringing in all the data we need and people can use it. And that's sort of a follow-on question. I, I wanna be really specific in this instance because <clears throat> technologically, I feel like this is interesting. So you brought in from the, the message queue, you brought in these, these hierarchical data objects. Did you write those into a variant column that stored that natively? And then did you do a SQL transformation with tasks and streams, almost like triggers inside of Snowflake or did you just use a view to make it look structured? Does that question make sense? And we actually use all of the above. So we use the variant data coming in as is, kept it by the book. Then we had a stream on top of that raw data. So we consume the stream, only the deltas coming in. Uh, we actually consumed, we pivoted that data out with an ELT view on top of the stream. So that's how we, the transformation layer was essentially an ELT view and the tasks were, we were able to orchestrate that. And, and, and Tyler sort of latched onto the, that sort of, well, this is sort of one piece of, of, and to orchestrate that, he built his own framework to fully orchestrate that. 
And that's a great time to pivot over to Tyler because I wanna talk about two things at the same time. The first is data quality and the second is data governance. So I know governance and quality were on top of your mind even when you and I first started talking you know, weeks and months before uh, Dan and Brian sort of came onto the project to start building something out during the POC. The data quality layer, did you approach that? Is that done in Snowflake? Are you doing data quality? Is that done in Snowflake or through an outside technology? And then on the governance side, how did you sort of approach that uh, on a day one? And anybody can jump in that has a great answer on this one, but I was picking on Tyler. Yeah, so data quality is significant in terms of, I mean, it's just part of what people, in terms of the brand, if you're going to deliver data, and you can call it whatever you want, data lake, data warehouse, but, but when you're structuring, that's what I mean when I'm talking about a data warehouse, when you're structuring for consumption, um, you don't want to just send out you know, just junk out there and, and create, you know, data swamp or whatever it is that, that <laughs> you want to call it. Um, you want to have a, a threshold that people have of what they expect. And in some cases, if you try to get it perfect, then you'll never finish your project, right? Uh, and sometimes actually exposing it as it is and then calling out these quality issues to the people who are consuming is what you need to actually get traction on the governance side to have the people who can clean this stuff up at the source to go back to the source and clean it up. So there's some of that where we've taken uh, visualization, uh, our visualization tool, and actually because, and here's, here's the reason why a lot of people are like, well, why not just plug into your, uh, your student system, your ERP, why not? Like we've been doing it for a long time. Why would you go through all this trouble? Data warehouse is reporting only. You don't need to do this for integrations. Well, the beauty of this is that when we efficiently are capturing changes from our student information system, we aren't competing for resources. We're not going to go shut the whole thing down in the middle of the day when we're trying to collect tuition and bills and all this stuff. We're not going to shut it down by going in and starting to write, you know, a big gigantic, you know, file. Um, we don't have to do that. We've got it out in Snowflake. And so one thing that I think is a really cool use case that we got is you know, this uh, mastering identities. So we've, we've had a process before and, and back in time, the history of this, and I, I wasn't here when it was built, is a really great process that was built to help with uh, finding duplicates because duplicates are awful, you don't want them. Well, we've got them out there, they, they get created and you wanna find them as quickly as possible so you don't end up with two people getting financial aid that are the same person, two different records. Um, long story short, there was a process that was running, um, really smart people developed some common matching, but it would take like four days to run. I mean, literally you'd have to turn it on, watch it spin and just cross your fingers and go home and take a nap. I mean, you know, you, you just have to wait. Well, in Snowflake, what we found was we could be like really specific. We could say, hey, as these changes are coming in, identities are being created. I can just say, hey, let's, let's take this, you know, the five new identities and if I'm not doing all of my identities versus all of my identities, now I'm doing just the changes versus what exists. I can really quick like do that common matching. And we took something that's four days down to seconds. You know, it was just like, it would just run and flag. And then we dashboarded, you know, dashboard that. And so, yeah, data quality was huge. Um, we're, we're actually continuing to build out our governance and our data quality part of this and what's great is that because we have the data all in one place and because we started collect others, collecting other sources, we have a product called Atacama that we just finished going through an RFP on. They do master data management. 
data quality, reference data management, and we can do an integration into Snowflake and do all of our, you know, uh, standardization of addresses and all that stuff, and we can write it and stage it and get it ready and say, hey, this is what, you know, our address table and banner could look like if it's approved. And then we can just build the single, like, you know, if, if it is approved, build that to send it back to communicate that back to banner. So the fact that we're in the cloud and we're doing it out there, I think it's what you were trying to convince me, Nick, when you were selling it to us. And I just didn't get it because I didn't understand. But now that we're doing it, 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 it start, I'm starting to see just how valuable that is. It's a huge change. You know, it's it, when you, as you said earlier, Tyler, a lot of big architectures like what Auburn put together for one Auburn, it, it's very resource constrained and not from the entire chain, but certain elements are resource constrained and those constraints prevent you from inventing or in a good way disrupting uh, as opposed to Dan's bad disrupting, the good disruptions like saying, hey, why do we do an every to every comparison for four hours? We should just do a, a here's a change. Let's compare that to the master set and we know what we're working with. And because you can have multiple resources out there at the same time, you're no longer resource constrained. That opens up the amount of things that you can come up with. And I, I wanna go to Brian and, and ask, you know, as you're architecting this, as you're building this out, one, how many, did you take it as, a, as an approach to say, how many virtual warehouses do we need in this Snowflake instance? Or was it more, you know, the joke I always make is that they're the red shirts of Star Trek, throw them at the problem. And if they die, who cares, right? I've got one source of data, it never goes away. So just throw my red shirts at it. Which approach did you guys take at Auburn? And where sort of are you now? So when I came in, uh, Tyler, and everyone needs a Tyler, everyone on this call needs a Tyler, not this Tyler, but a Tyler. Uh, you can't have our Tyler. <laughs> you, you can't have our Tyler, but he's, he's the guy that says, hey, what does this thing do? Hey, I wonder if I do that. Uh, what if we, he's the guy and you need that guy. Absolutely. But Tyler had already uh, uh, taken a big leap forward on the data model before I even came in. They did the tour. They said, uh, we, they identified the 300. They had the 300, which were the 300 attributes they wanted to try to add to this model. And so he, had, he already had started on the entity, entity uh, diagram. Uh, it was looking good. And, and so we started with that. We said, this is what we're going to build. We're not going to build 10 things. We're going to build this thing. And so it, it was the, uh, what was the final name of that thing? It was the course registration uh, data model. Uh, and, and, and star schema with a fact table in the middle. And that's, and that's what we said we're going to build. And that's, that's what we built. That's outstanding. I want to kind of, so we got about you know, 15 minutes or so left. And I've been very structured to this point, but I want to give you guys a little bit of freedom because you've, you've been in the weeds so much. And Brian, since we're already talking, let's keep going. Think about right. like an aha moment that you had while building this whole thing out? What was new? What was different? What really made it click in your head? Okay, I have two stories. Ready, go. One, <laughs> there I was, minding my own business, writing the project plan with Zane over a slice of pecan pie. When uh, we said, we sent out a, a text to Tyler. Hey, Tyler, we need, we need uh, the tasks that you're going to work on. We need the milestones and tasks and, and, and building out this data warehouse. We know that you need to ingest the data. We know that you need to stage it. Let's write some tasks around all that stuff. Well, come to find out, Tyler and Dan had already, as Dan says, left the barn. They were gone. They were developing away. They were banging away at this thing, and they were, they were way down. So we ended up... Zane and I had to write tasks 
that had already been accomplished just for the purpose of putting them in the project plan <laughs> to say they were done. Because, and so the aha was, this is rapid deployment. This is not, as I say, this is not your daddy's data warehouse. This is rapid deployment and they were rapidly deploying. The second aha was um, essentially this. When we come, there's always a point in a data warehouse project where we say, and it is, it is a time sucker and, and, and it's this, how do we do change data capture? How do we get the Delta? How do we get the diffs? How are we going to do this? And what you usually do is you build a thing is say, well, here's today's table. Here's yesterday's table. And then you build this complex logic to figure out what's different from today and yesterday. You stage it to a third thing and then you send it on. So they introduced me to a thing called time travel. Well, time travel is brilliant. It's Star Trek. It's, it was awesome. And, and so it's basically, you write a query. You want Delta, so you write a query. And boom, that's it. It took, it, I feel we were getting down to the end of the project where we had to start delivering to, to Salesforce. And I was like, oh no, we're not gonna make it because we have to build this change data capture. Boom, time travel. That was a big aha. And it's it's a function of Snowflake. It was great. And that's just passing select blah from my table as of and giving it a timestamp and comparing yep. it right in a query. Yep. That yep. is awesome. Great. We're getting some questions on, on ETL process, you know, building out the model, doing some ETL. Um, I guess either Dan or Tyler, I'll, I'll turn this over to you guys. You know, the, the points are relevant. What is your ETL tool of choice? We talked a little bit about that first data pipeline where essentially Snowflake is doing the ETL um, and it traditionally takes 80% of your data warehouse effort. Would you guys agree that it took 80% of your time to build those pipelines? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say it, it's, it, it probably is around 70 to 80%, uh, although those pipelines, we got tremendous mileage out of. It wasn't just for ongoing uh, data integration. We actually were able to piggyback majority of the of those uh, of, of the pipelines to support the initial load, which is one of those things where uh, you, you can't do this without having a little luck and also being ruthlessly efficient. Right, so everything that was built was built with a purpose and we got the maximum amount of mileage out of, I, I remember some little aha moments where Tyler said, okay, we're actually can leverage this ongoing control auditing process to make sure what we have coming out of, of Banner actually matches what's in Snowflake. That is actually the baseline for migration. And we were able to have that balance process for ongoing data quality and control checking feed the initial load, which actually from that point forward, after you did the compare, we get the Delta and on the initial load, you're comparing everything to nothing. So you get everything as a Delta that fed the downstream data pipeline. So um, while there was 70 to 80% of the work, that was, that, was the, uh, that was the lifeline to get the data into Snowflake. And uh, I see some questions was Informatica bit, tool of choice, IICS, that was a tool of choice. It was, it was, and it usually is never one size fits all. We had uh, IICS to feed with the hooks into salesforce.com ongoing, um, but we, we stayed within um, um, streams and, and tasks and um, to feed uh, the data coming in from Banner into the 
historical banner store and into the dimensional um, um, uh, uh, data marks. Outstanding. Yeah. Do you mind if I speak real quick just to that? Tyler, I would love that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in terms of tooling, just think, you know, do you want, um, do, are you, do you want to do particularly the T part of ETL or ELT? So do you want to learn kind of the visualing, visual coding process and do all of your transformations just kind of drag and drop? Uh, or do you want to maintain a code library and be able to be very specific on your definitions? Uh, and, and, and that's really the decision point there. What we use Informatica for is just point to point mapping. It's really just a, it's just a connector to say, we've got the data staged and ready. We don't actually want to have our logic live there. We wanna know what it is. And if there's a change, we're gonna to go to our Git repository and make that change and version track that way. So we're managing with these, what we call ELT views. So if I have 12 dimensions, I've got 12 ELT views that, that basically in a staging layer, I'm always calculating with our logic and saying, okay, here's what it should look like. What does it look like in presentation layer? And then based on those diffs, I'm gonna send it the inserts, updates and deletes. And that's what me and Dan worked on. And that really was, I mean, that's, that's the lift of the project is all of that. Um, so it's really just a question of what's your comfort level? Do you want to maintain your code? Snowflake is, is really, I found, I love, you know, just the, the nuances of it in terms of managing that. Uh, for us, it kind of also helped articulate what do we mean by ELT? Well, the first thing is just unpacking banner messages and flattening them into what we call our historic uh, data store, which means that we can now query what did our system, uh, student system, information system look like, you know, anytime in the past from, from the onset of when we started tracking. Um, so we do that first and then we're uh, transforming in, uh, to the presentation layer. I'll stop because I can see we're almost out of time. <laughs> um, we got a couple of questions about time travel, uh, you know, how it works and what it does. So really, really quickly, uh, Snowflake uses object storage underneath as its underlying file system. And whenever data is written into Snowflake, it gets put into object storage. In Amazon, it's S3. In Azure, it's Azure Blob Store. We didn't invent our own. We have the one that's in the cloud. So whenever data gets written in, it's immutable. Whenever a new piece of data, an updated insert comes in, we create a new object. Because we have all of those objects, we can move forward and backwards through time by knowing when objects were written and what data was relevant when. This allows you to write a query dynamically that shows what data was relevant or real in this table at this time. Doesn't require copies of data, doesn't require replication, doesn't require snapshots. It works up to 90 days in that window in that way. I hope that was helpful for the, the three or four folks who asked about uh, uh, using Snowflake in some of those ways. Tyler, I wanna end this with you and feel free to rant for the last four minutes, brother, they're all yours. Give me an aha moment, a key takeaway, and the future of what you want from Auburn. Take us out. <laughs> I, um, I'll try not to use all the time in case anybody else wants to get a last word, but I will say that our aha moment was when we realized that efficient message, like the modern approach, you talked about semi-structured data, you know, it's now as we're trying to do integrations, what's next, uh, API integrations. Um, and this may go to talking about tooling, you know, how do we do that? We're starting to explore, you know, because we need to get our data to Azure. And, and that is kind of the snowflake way is get it to the blob and then you can take it the rest of the way. You can auto ingest, you can do all that. Well, because we need to get it to Azure, 
Azure actually has some tools uh, that'll help with API integrations. We've used logic apps for some simple communication of data between some um, different um, places and uh, data factories out there. But, but basically um, knowing how to work with semi-structured data, that is a really, really cool thing about Snowflake is learning that. Uh, because now that we're doing those API integrations, whether it's coming in inbound or outbound, which when we started, Dan, we had, we had directory paths and it was like inbound and this is all the data that's coming in. And Dan told me he's like, and also outbound. And I was like, well, what are we gonna do with that? He's like, well, he explains it to me, but I'm just like, yeah, I, we just never, we have outbound. I don't know how, we just never use it. Well, as soon as we got off the ground, then the question is, oh good, we can do this, now this. Like, okay, great, we got it in Click, we got it in Salesforce, but we want it here, that's somewhere else. And so the delivery outbound, learning how to deliver those objects, that semi-structured data so that you can just give it to an API and, and in, in and out of systems, that's where in terms of what's next is what we're starting to figure out is scaling that is, is API libraries and all this stuff of just different things. Um, and that's really going to take us to true, I mean, that the beginning, like I said, it's, it's data lake, bring in, store all of the source uh, data in its own contained schemas where we can control the security. Uh, but then data warehouse, whatever you need from all that, conform it into a nice consumable format for people and reporting or, or integrations. I can't think of a better use case for a, a data platform in the cloud, Tyler. Uh, folks, Tyler, Brian, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the program today, giving everybody at home what they needed. We've had some great compliments. Now back over to Karasov for our closing comments. For Snowflake, I'm Nick Spees. Thanks, everybody, so much for coming out and seeing us. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information on how Kerasoft or Snowflake can assist your educational institution, please visit www.kerasoft.com or email us at snowflake at Thanks again for listening and have a great day.